listeners, and welcome to Slice of Pie. I'm Hannah Genowine. And I'm Claire Gilbert. We take stories from around Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College and showcase the awesome things that our faculty, staff, and students are doing to make our college and community a better place through principled innovation. Including all of the messiness that comes along with change making. In this episode, we talked to Ruhi Khan, Project Director at the Center for Advanced Studies in Global Education, or CASGI, about how she's been intentionally incorporating practices of principled innovation into her work with teachers and educational leaders from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We also chatted about some of her experiences participating in the inaugural cohort of the Principled Innovation Staff Catalysts. Let's get right into it. Welcome to Slice of Pie. So Ruhi, could you start by telling us um, your name and what your title is and a little bit about like what your job is that you do in the college? My name is Ruhi Khan. I am the project director um, for the Center for Advanced Studies in Global Education at Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College and currently uh, uh, supervise a program that has 59 participants from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia who are educators uh, anywhere from teachers in K-12 to principals. And so they come here for a year to engage in opportunities to develop their leadership skills. And so they are immersed in English language classes. They take uh, professional development workshops to enhance pedagogy and leadership. And then they also are immersed in school districts. And then they have a culminating project where they uh, do some action research that can be implemented in country when they return. And so this was all within one grant, right, that just finished up? Yes. Yes, okay. So how long has that been going on? Did you guys just do it for a year? So this is our second cohort. Um, The first cohort was 2018 February and finished in February of 2019. And then we started this group in July of 2019 and just finished uh, July 2020. Are there plans to do a third one? So um, the, the ministry actually budgeted money, uh, money for two additional cohorts, but based on the fact that it is, uh, requires the participants to come to the United States, uh-huh. um, it may be on hold until additional um, opportunities to travel open up. Awesome. So I think when we were first reached out to about this and about your story and things like that, um, it was about how you have been incorporating principles innovation and next education workforce and things like that into this whole experience. Um, So I guess just like briefly before we dig too deeply into things, do you want to share just a generic overview of like of what that means in this program? So I think um, one of the things where uh, outside of being a principal innovation staff catalyst, that we worked on a specific collaborative project together, thinking about how I applied a lot of the things that I learned through um, my own experiences in my position. And so one of the things that really principled innovation came to life is when we quickly transitioned within a matter of days to online learning. And that happened with the pandemic. Uh, It really helped me to reflect on the... Uh, training and the professional development that I had in principled innovation and really think thoughtfully about how that could impact how we move forward. And so uh, I kind of kind of categorized as I reflected on how principled innovation impacted me because some of the things that um, happened, it wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to use principled innovation and now um, this is the moral part of uh, a principled innovation practice. I just, I had principled innovation at, at like a subconscious level. 
And now that I reflect back on these last few months, I can really see how that impacted um, learning about principal and innovation impacted me as a leader and how um, we made decisions based on what I learned. So an example is the moral part of principal innovation. Um, we looked at our, our values. What were our values uh, for the program? Uh, even though, you know, we've shifted from face-to-face -to, -face to online platform. So some of it's, um, we wanted to make sure uh, the value was uh, meeting the grant objectives and moving, moving toward uh, the culminating action research project. That was our end goal. And so that was a really important value that we had. We wanted to continue to uphold um, the expectations of the grant and then make sure that the participants were fully supported uh, in their culminating uh, project. And then on top of that is recognizing the needs of second language learners in an online platform. So English uh, was a second language to all of our participants. Their first language was Arabic. And so we really wanted to value how do we move from face to face um, where we can give that immediate feedback, right? And body language and everything else um, that would help the learners to something that was online. Um, and then uh, the next piece of that was was thinking about the civic aspect of it, uh, the civic practices. We made an effort to understand the context and the culture of the participants and elicited feedback from, from all the stakeholders, including the participants themselves, the ASU faculty and staff that was involved, the district uh, faculty and uh, teachers, mentor teachers. Uh, and the administrators at the district levels because they were all stakeholders in what was going on. And um, through that, we wanted to make sure that we, we understand the context that they were in. And so through the performance piece of um, practice of principal innovation, we looked at how do we adjust our learning opportunities through multiple iterations. And so um, when we first started, we had an idea of how we were gonna meet the needs of the participants through online. And so we had to consider um, what's gonna work best, asynchronous versus uh, synchronous learning, uh, the power of visuals and auditory learning for second language learners, uh, having office hours available. And so we were trying to, nav like as you know, we were doing this, we're trying to navigate all these things because everything was so uncertain. Um, and then sort of our participants, the government in Saudi Arabia had an opportunity for them to return. So how do we figure out based on time difference and everything else for the, the different participants? Um, and then really thinking intellectually about how is this all gonna work? They have children at home now because in this grant, the participants were allowed to bring their families and their spouses. So other considerations as to there's one laptop, you know, what's priorities, school uh, work for the children or what they were doing in this. And so we were really reflecting critically. We wanted to be compassionate. We provided um, social emotional learning support. Um, we had times where they could just have little chats among themselves through Zoom. Um, I wanted to make connections with the family. And so mm -hmm. uh, it was my previous background is in elementary education. So it was story time with Dr. <laughs> And so I would pick a story through Zoom and their kids would join in and I would read a story to them. Um, and then, you know, we'd ask different questions about the story and 
or uh, we'd interact where I would read part of the story and leave a couple of the words, you know, off and then they would fill them in. So just different things like that to kind of help ease the stress, mm-hmm. um, the predicament they were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just kind of looked at what couldn't we control, right? There's external factors that we can control. Uh, going back to Saudi Arabia, right? We couldn't control the fact that some of them were already there. We couldn't control the fact that we couldn't meet face to face. And so we just wanted to make sure that we met the needs of the participants and that we got them all to the finish line. And as I sit down and I reflect and I kind of wrote out some notes that principled innovation really informed some of the things that I did but it didn't really come clear until I sat down and I kind of reflected on the process that I went through to um, really support the participants to meet the objectives of the grant and then also for them to fulfill the requirements that they needed. Yeah. I think that's kind of a common thing that we're coming across in a lot of our podcast episodes too, is that it's not necessarily that when you're doing the work, you have to be thinking about principled innovation the whole time, but it's that, it's that reflection piece that is so key that when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, I totally did this in my work without thinking. And that's, that's super cool. I have a couple of questions about how this program actually works because I've heard from Clarine Collins, like I've heard bits and pieces about, you know, people coming over from Saudi Arabia and bringing their families And I'm interested in hearing about what that transition is like for them just because I grew up overseas myself. My mom was a diplomat for a long time. So is the program conducted entirely in English or are there parts in Arabic since I know Arabic is their first language? Like how does this, how does the whole transition work for them? So, so the goal really is um, for the participants to develop their uh, educational leadership skills, but it's also to improve language. So English language. So when they first apply for the program in Saudi Arabia, they have to take the IELTS test to determine um, if they are eligible because they have to have some background in English in order to. Right. They also have an interview process in Saudi Arabia that's connected, conducted by the Ministry of Education. Mm -hmm. Through that process, they determine, you know, are they eligible based on the criteria we have to be part of this. And so it actually is more countries than um, just the United States. Uh, I believe it's also New Zealand, Australia, the UK, uh, Finland, and then Canada at some point was also involved. Currently, there are 11 universities that hosted this past uh, year in the United States. Wow. And so they don't really have, like they don't really say I'm picking ASU or I'm picking Kansas State or um, picking the University of Delaware they um, apply and then the Ministry of Education determines uh, where they go. But the primary, one of the primary goals in addition to the leadership skills and being change agents is really uh, developing their English language skills. Very interesting. Do you yourself speak Arabic? I'm just curious. I do not, but um, so my uh, parents are from India Mm -hmm. and um, their first language is Urdu and ironically, um, Urdu is actually 20% Arabic. Oh, no so way. Interesting. 50% Hindi, 30% Farsi, and, and 20% Arabic. So a lot of the words that they would say, I could kind of pick up, um, but um, I'm not fluent in Arabic. I think going back, because you, I mean, 
flawlessly covered every practice and principle innovation, I think, in your, in your overview, um, which, like, I guess maybe just quickly talking about them. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but going through that staff catalyst experience and how that experience in itself kind of changed your mindset and the way that you approached the work with the Saudi Arabia project, maybe other pieces, um, just any notes on how you've shifted your mindset in the, in the past with that new experience. I think um, the, the opportunity to get together with other people in the college um, mm-hmm. that you would not talk to necessarily outside of this um, professional development, right, in principle and innovation. I think that's I think um, to critically reflect together on different things. And so I think it's the thing that always, that always resonates me with me is that how might we, like, how might we think about things in different ways? And so it's not coming in and saying, you know, we're, we're totally just changing all this Right. It's really like reflection. And um, I am a huge advocate of reflection. I think it's really important. And so um, that there's no wrong or right answer. I think that was the other piece of when we met, you know, monthly and we had the um, conversations that like I started in the beginning on a project that I was just doing specifically for my needs. And then as I continued to network and then also work um, with somebody on the uh, catalyst, uh, team who I had previously worked with. Um, and we kind of brainstormed together and thought about, okay, you know, even though right now we work in very different, uh, parts of the college, what is something that we have in common that we share that we can go through this, uh, PI process with to have, you know, an idea. And so then, um, after that, evolved and there was another person who worked in the um the budget office uh merely told teachers college is like hey i really like this idea and then he joined and so there wasn't like a wrong answer to what we were doing it was evolving and then the feedback from hannah and the feedback from cassandra just i think helped us be okay with not knowing what we actually really wanted to do mm-hmm. so i think um, I think that was really important that um, evolving and then just continuing to iterate like what we were doing was seen as fruitful and not seen as, oh my gosh, you don't really know how to answer your how much we question. And it sound, I was just gonna say, it sounds like that sort of trickled into the work with Saudi Arabia. You mentioned going through a few iterations with the things you did with those people and just going through reflection with them. So it's interesting to hear how much you learned and then how that trickles down into your work and I think that's like what we wanted so <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah that kind of ties in with like I mean you've pretty much answered this question already but maybe more explicitly how would you say that um, PI has shifted the way that you approach your work in general? Uh, taking Kind of taking a step back and and looking at things through like different lenses and I think that that's really and I think that um, also recognizing that even though I, I, I'm in leadership for this opportunity that I'm currently on, I don't have all the answers and that's okay. And so how do we really think about the distributed expertise on our team and how do we take advantage of that? And so it doesn't come down to, 
you know, I need to have all the answers. I need to have all the solutions. It, it really is collaborative um, and that we can work on solutions together. And even the solutions that we come up with, if they don't um, work, how do we uh, really look at what are the strengths of what did work? And then how do we evolve that into the next level of what's going to work? And so even just reflecting on, on going from the online model that we had um, in the beginning, some of it was synchronous. And, you know, when the participants weren't showing up or they were emailing us and saying, you know, my child needed the computer or my baby was crying or whatever it is, we uh, kind of reflected and then we uh, created more asynchronous learning opportunities. Um, and then in terms of deadlines, uh, things that were due, it was more uh, over a period of time and not on a daily basis. So that, you know, if, if Tuesday was just a really, really bad day for you, the work that was um, supposed to be done on Tuesday or that the learning that you were exposed to on Tuesday, if you didn't get to it, you know, you could do it on Wednesday and then still like the due date would be flexible in terms of you had more time to do it, it wasn't specifically to do that day. We've mentioned reflection quite a bit, which I love and that you're a big proponent of reflection. I'm curious if you guys um, incorporated any reflection for the leaders that were involved in the program, like was reflection a piece in the, in the project in itself in any of the sessions or anything like that? So ironically, um, we had two opportunities to reflect on the whole pro program mm -hmm. was the uh, participants did some panel uh, presentations where they presented their action research with uh, about three educational experts and they would be either from ASU or they would be um, other stakeholders that were involved in, in the uh, program that uh, could give feedback on a topic in education. And so that was last week and it was Thursday and Friday. And basically everything that we've done in the entire program built up to this action research project that we're going to use to take back and become change agents in Saudi Arabia. And so we were able to debrief um, about that uh, on Friday. And so we just really reflecting on um, how we could see all the different parts actually um, come into play in a 10 minute presentation. Mm -hmm. All the work that we've done. And then um, even though uh, time difference, some of the participants were in Saudi Arabia, there may have been some technical glitches, all 59 participants were able to present. Oh, wow presented beautifully and so it was really good. So long-term reflection was there and then today we were working on the, um, the final reporting for, for the grant and so we were able to sit down and kind of look. So they have a format for what they want us to do and you know some of them are like what challenges do you face, how did you resolve them, you know what are tips for next cohorts, different things like that. So that was reflection that was built in but I think during the entire year, we met, uh, we had, uh, we have a core leadership team where it's the three of us that work together to kind of supervise the whole entire program. Mm -hmm. And we have an extended leadership team meeting, uh, which is additional individuals that support or have that distributed expertise 
in action research or school immersion, um, English language skills. And so uh, that was like a weekly meeting that we had too that would help us reflect on, okay, what didn't work, what worked. Um, one of the unique things about this is, you know, the college is going through the whole initiative about teaming and how important it is to be on a team. And I think we kind of had that in the back of our mind too, as we were continuing to do this. And we were looking at the Saudi uh, educators as being uh, the recipients of what we were doing as a, as a team. And so that's how that whole distributive um, expertise came up. And so outside of the college, we work with Global Launch, which is part of the university and they uh, provide English language support and courses. And so through that, we developed a lot of opportunities where we were co-teaching things. Um, and so in our workshops that were delivered through Mary Lee Fulton Teachers College, we actually had English teachers from Global Launch in the classroom that we're helping support the educational content, but we're really making sure the vocabulary was understood. Um, the way that we presented was uh, relevant to second language learners. Um, and so we, we really had an opportunity to reflect uh, on the different aspects of the um, program and also really think about reflection in a way that um, we do it overall, but we also do it in a way that is uh, very conscientious about how we team, if that makes sense. So like if we're doing professional development, we really want the English um, expertise in uh, delivering uh, professional development that is good for second language learners, but also highlights what's good for adult learners. Right, and so those are the different pieces that um, is intentional reflection that really helped us to kind of um, think about how we are going to deliver uh, the goals and objectives of the uh, grant. It's interesting how this is like an in-house, I feel like this is an in-house model of all the things that we're trying to make all of our district partners do with like providing wraparound support and the teaming and PI. And I was just thinking this is such a good follow-up to the episode that we're going to release with Kelly and Will, where they just talked the entire time about teaming and team teaching and how it all works. Expertise. Distributed yeah. expertise. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting follow-up to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to as well to you mentioned that you would get to know the families a bit more to understand their context, you reading to the kids. And I'm curious about how those relationships, developing those authentic relationships really either I'm guessing benefited the work a whole ton. And I'm guessing just like, what was the outcome of that for you and working with the, working with the leaders there and just developing those authentic relationships. So I think cultural awareness is really important. And so when you come from a one country to another, right? Really understanding um, the, the Saudi culture. And although we're not experts of it, um, we want to take into consideration many things that are part of their culture. And yes, they have to adapt to the American culture, but how do we make sure that they understand that, that we respect their culture and that we, we want to make sure that... Um, as they're here, that some of their practices and things like that are respected. Are respected. So, you know, our classes 
a lot of times had breaks for prayer time because prayer is very, very important in, in the Muslim religion. And so that was one thing. And then um, overall, uh, even though this is a generalization, a lot of them are very private uh, people. And so how do we um, make sure that they're comfortable in the environment and that it's okay that if they need to share something with us or um, that, you know, part of the American culture is getting to know you, developing relationships, asking questions like, how many kids do you have? Where are your kids going to school? Um, and so I think that that cultural awareness piece uh, is really important and mm -hmm. helped us to, to develop relationships because we were um, honoring many of the cultural traditions and things that they had um, and, and, and appreciating that as well. And so while they're here for a year, you know, Ramadan happened and fasting was going on. And so um, now you're, you know, in, you have COVID, you're fasting, you know, all these other things. And so how do we accommodate some of the learning that was happening? And, um, you know, we had to adjust some times and, and do certain things and uh, to help make sure that we were meeting their needs as well. So I think really recognizing that, um, you know, there's some cultural differences there and um, that, you know, we want to make sure that you're comfortable in um, the role that you are uh, taking on when you're here. And it's not all of a sudden you just assimilate and you have to do everything in the American culture, um, but that you, you still value your uh, cultural background and any traditions that you have. I think we've had a lot of pieces. Is there? I feel there like, Ruhi, you've hit them all. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I, know. Feel like I feel like I'm babbling and I talk too much. No, I know, it's because Hannah and I are too polite. We're reluctant to interrupt people, but I don't think you've been babbling at all. <laughs> I know, I'm looking back at our questions and I'm like, well, we have a question about collaboration, but Ruhi really already talked about that. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially think, hit on reflection quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, I guess just anything like overall, is there anything that either like what you learned throughout this whole process and at the end that you're hoping to really pull into your work or changes that you saw that are hoping the college adapts? I don't know. Any just like parting like, wisdom. So I think that I've been on both the faculty um, side and the, mm -hmm. and the side and just thinking about, you know, um, a lot of things that are happening with teacher retention. Um, and how to keep teachers in the profession and things like that. I think there's a lot of things that happen at the college level that um, we are not consciously taking advantage of. And so one example I'll give you is um, as a former clinical assistant uh, professor, you know, we know that students have a lot of struggles managing stress, being resilient, um, and then once they have their student teaching experience and they've done amazing and then they have a 4.0 grade point average, they get out into the real world and, um, you know, they have these issues. We have a wellness team at, um, and I think I've shared this with you too, Hannah. Mm -hmm. We have a team at, um, at Nearly Fulton Teachers College who through principled innovation, I've been, had, had a chance to meet and talk to and just listen to them. Um, and, you know, a lot of their work uh, deals with being reactive. So if a student has a problem, you know, they, they 
are referred to the wellness team, right? And so how do we as faculty and then as staff really take that together and marry um, the concept of being proactive and thinking about how can we um, utilize the expertise of this, the people in the wellness center who are staff and collaborate with faculty who are teaching a class that can help support students um, that when they get out into the real world or they come to uh, something even while they're at ASU, they can reflect back and think, oh my gosh, I remember that one um, class that I had and the strategies we learned on you know, what to do when you're faced with a problem that just seems too hard to handle. Um, and so really thinking about principal innovation and just um, all the practices and the reflective piece of it, um, looking at teaming in a different way, how can we really think about um, having opportunities of collaboration with, with faculty and staff so that we can really meet the uh, needs of students in a proactive way rather than a reactive way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that was one of my uh, real fond memory, I think, of the Catalyst. It's just like you you mentioned it, just the networking opportunities and being able to cross-collaborate across different units and find those opportunities where you really could help each other and that you could benefit from each other's experiences and their role. And I know I saw a lot of those collaborations pop up and how do we continue to provide those opportunities in the college for other people to do the same, to, to benefit from each other and know that, like you said, you don't have to know all the right answers and that we have such a such a wealth of experience and knowledge at the college and how do we capitalize on that? That's all we have for today's episode. Thanks to Ruhi for chatting with us and sharing more about her work. And thank you listeners for tuning in and sticking with us as we navigate all of the technical difficulties and the uncertainties that come with recording a podcast from home during a pandemic. If you'd like to reach out to Claire and I, email us at sliceofpi at asu.edu. Until next time.